You're listening to Sarah Hagen backstage with interviews and insights from years inside the music industry. Join Sarah as she talks with masters of their crafts, finding out what makes them tick both inside and outside of the music business. Welcome to Sarah Hagen backstage. My guest today, Antonio Sanchez, is my first follow-up guest on this podcast. Today, we are going to talk about his new album, Shift Bad Ombre 2, which is available for pre-order on Amazon Music and wherever you get your music. We are going to deep dive into the album, talk about the different tracks, the process of making the album, and all of the amazing guest artists that Antonio has. So come along with me as I catch up with Antonio Sanchez. Antonio, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Great to be here with you again. Yes, you are my first repeat guest. So we're doing a part two, a follow up to our last interview. And I'm so excited about it because there were some things that were happening that we wanted to talk about last time, but we also wanted to wait until they were happening and they're happening now. So... I'm going to just jump right in and um, talk about your new album, which is being released. And I am so excited about that. Um, it's August 26th is the release date, right? And it's August Bad Ombre right. Volume 2. Well, Shift, Bad Ombre Volume 2. That's two Perfect. Titles. Okay. So we want to make the whole title, Shift, Bad Ombre Volume 2. And it comes out on August 26th, but you can pre-order it. Mm -hmm. Right. Already you can pre-order yeah. and it's on uh, Warner Records, correct? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So we get to talk about the new album and I wanted to jump into this last time because I was so excited about it. You had sent me um, some of the tracks to, to hear and, and get an idea about um, what the album was. And I was super excited about it because... It's so incredible. So now we get to like really jump in and, and talk about it in detail. Um, you were actually one of the first people I sent it to. Oh, I love that. Thank you yeah, so much. I feel I, honored. You know, I, I knew, uh, you know, we've known each other for a long time. And, and I if there was somebody that could appreciate it, I knew it was going to be you. So you were one of the first ones for sure. Thank you so much, Antonio. I, I was so excited for you. You know, I, I called you and left you a voicemail because I, was I know like, I, it made my day. Really oh, did. I couldn't. I knew you were touring and I knew that you wouldn't be able to answer. But I also didn't want to just text you because it was too big of a deal for me to just send a text. So I was like, I'm just going to leave him a voicemail. And I think I rambled a little bit, but I was like just so excited because the album is so incredible. And you know, I loved the the first Bad Ombre um, record, of course. And this one I just felt was like the perfect sequel. You know, it was it was just kind of a continuation. And I just want to hear you talk a little bit about like the concept of the first and the second album. And then maybe we can talk about some of the tracks, too. Sure. Well, I mean, the second one is so different from the first one because just the, the the whole genesis of it is just completely different. The first one uh, was during the Trump presidency. Well, actually during the Trump candidacy. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, everybody knows what he said about Mexicans and about bad hombres. And that's why I used that name for the album. And it was kind of like a protest album. I... Um, wanted to make a statement on how um you know i was feeling around that time about what was going on politically in the country and um you know i thought what better way to do it than to just play a bunch of drums you know while i'm angry so that's kind of what i did you know i improvised a bunch of um you know for hours and hours here in my home studio and then i started editing the improvisations chopping them up and then just messing around with them, adding electronics, adding voices. It was a very experimental album. I had never done an album like that where it was just me by myself, mm -hmm. uh, kind of um, uh, like a mad scientist in my in my little lab, you know, just trying to do something different than I'd done before. And all of my records before, I would sit at the piano and then write a bunch of tunes, uh, rehearse it with the band, 
go into the studio and then mix it and master it and, and that's it you know but this one i took my time uh and i could work for one hour or 15 hours you know it, it, it didn't matter because it was my studio and my my space so that allowed for a lot of creative um you know uh, experimentation and and that was so much fun to make and then to see the results immediately after you know because usually you know when you write the song and then you rehearse it with the with a band i mean it takes a while for you to get the final product mm -hmm. what because i was doing it at home i was recording it and mixing it at the same time and by the end of the day i would see the results of the day so that, that was very satisfying so i wanted to make another one of these kind of bad ombre albums and Bad Ombre, I, I use that name because obviously because of the Trump thing and because it's also a play on words. You know, when you say something, man, that's super bad, it means that it's good. Mm -hmm. Then I was one man doing it, one one Ombre. So uh, Bad Ombre seemed like a like a really, you know, uh, useful title for what I was doing. Plus it had the, the political connotation. And then uh, I met uh, this woman, Miho Nishimoto, who works at, at Warner. I was doing a gig with Pat Metheny in Hamburg. And uh, she was working at Warner. And she asked me, what are you doing nowadays? And I told her about the first Bad Hombre, sent it to her. She really liked it. it that record won me a, a German award called Echo uh, back then. So she was aware of that. Uh, and then she said, you know, maybe we could do something together. Let me know what you're interested in doing next. So I said, I would like to do another one of those where, you know, it's just kind of me experimenting in my in my studio. Mm -hmm. And she was into it. But then right around that time, I went to Mexico and I went to a concert of a friend of mine. Uh, her name is Silvana Estrada, who is, she's in the record. In, the, in this new Bad Hombre. And uh, I went to her show, and she's an incredible singer-songwriter. And uh, her show was amazing, but she did this one tune with just her cuatro guitar mm -hmm. and, and her voice. She's got, uh, she has an incredible, very haunting voice. And, and I heard that tune, I was like, man, I would love to just get a hold of that track just with her voice and the cuatro and just see what I can do with it. Mm -hmm. So after the show, I went to to see her backstage, and I told her, "Man, can you send me that track? Could you just re-record it with a click, and and just your voice and your your cuatro separately, and just let me let me fool around with it. Let me see what I can do." And she said, "Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a cool idea." And then she sent it to me a few days later, and then I got to work, and um, I just wanted to basically reimagine what she did. You know, mm -hmm. what you sent me it was a very beautiful track. It's in 5-4, and it's about the, it's a very cryptic um, uh, text, basically, that she wrote about the disappearance of women in Mexico. Mm -hmm. It was very haunting, but it was very linear. You know, it stayed kind of here the whole time, and it's very hypnotic and beautiful. So I wanted to see how I could shape it in a, in a slightly different way. So in some parts, I would remove her guitar, and then just reharm uh, everything she did, and then uh, kind of break it in the middle, and then do this really epic thing with a kind of like a drum solo on top of of uh, a vamp. You know, I, I just wanted mm -hmm. to reimagine it completely, and I worked on it for for a few weeks, and then I sent it to her, and she loved it. You know, she she was like, "Oh, I never thought my tune could sound like that." You know, I never wow. imagined that way. Uh, so luckily she liked it and then I sent that to to Mijo this woman at, at uh, Warner and and she freaked out she was like this is this is I've never heard anything like this uh what about doing the whole record like that and I said that's exactly what I'm thinking I want I want to kind of keep going with this concept of singers giving me a song and then me just kind of reworking it reimagining it and and producing it in a completely different way so then it was okay who can we get uh, and i didn't really want jazz people because you know i've, I've been doing the jazz thing for a long time and sure. I, I and i kind of wanted to go back to to my rock and roll roots you right. know because i grew up 
listening to the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Cream, Who, uh, Led Zeppelin, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, uh, uh, the Police, Rush, you know, and then of course the Fusion, Chicory Electric Band, Pat Metheny Group, and all the mm -hmm. jazz artists that that I was into uh, after that. So I wanted to go back to my rock roots, but obviously it was gonna be seen through the lens of somebody that has been playing jazz for a long, long time now. So it was gonna be something different. I just didn't know what it was gonna be, but mm -hmm. I knew it was not gonna be a rock record, but it was not gonna be a jazz record, but I wanted to have people that would give me material that would make me go into a different direction that I normally would go to. Sure. So the second person I, I thought about reaching out to was Trent Reznor uh, because obviously Trent Reznor is Trent Reznor. Yeah. And I met him at the Golden Globes when uh, I was nominated for Birdman for Best Score and who was nominated for uh, Gun Girl or something like that. I can't remember exactly what, what mm -hmm. he was nominated for. But I met him and Hans Zimmer the first night, the same night. And we hung out and, you know, they were super cool because they really loved Birdman. You know, they, they kind of, um, you know, Trent sent me an email saying, you know, uh, I think you kind of invented a new language, a language on how to score uh, a film. So obviously wow. it resonated with him. And I was obviously, you know, ecstatic that, that he was so, so, um, so nice. Know, you know to just some random drum guy so um when the time came i just sent him an email and and i said look i'm doing this project and uh i don't know if you would want to be a part of it this was during the pandemic you know yeah. the pandemic had just started mm -hmm. so, um you know i was i wasn't expecting a yes but i thought you know what's the worst thing that could happen is that he ah, man i don't have time i'm sorry um, but surprisingly, he wrote to me and he said, well, I'm working on, uh, on this soundtrack for this movie called soul <laughs> that mm -hmm. ended up being soul, of course. And then he said, but I, I would like to, to do something new for you because I told him it could be something new, something old, something that already exists. It can be a sketch, anything that you want to give me, I can work with. And the idea is to have the drums and the voice be the main two ingredients mm -hmm. and then just let me reimagine whatever you send me and he said oh, that sounds interesting and uh but but i want to send you something new you know so he went to work with uh, atticus ross his writing partner and then a few weeks later he sent me uh, this whole pro tool session that i opened and it was a few of his voices and then uh, a, a few of Atticus Ross's synths, and mm -hmm. it was very, it, it was it was just um, kind of like a like a sequencer kind of thing with very straight eight notes, but you couldn't really tell where one was, mm -hmm. and and then uh, Trent was kind of riffing on top of that with his really deep voice. It, it was really amazing. So immediately I was like, oh my god, what what can I do with this? And I started just kind of improvising on top of it, trying different drum beats, trying different approaches. And then little by little, I started kind of honing in on, on what I wanted it to be. But the funny thing is that I think Trent thought it was going to be just a very minimalistic thing, kind of like Birdman, you know, drums on top of his voice, very loose. Uh, I'm, I think that's what he was thinking. Mm -hmm. But then... I what I sent him, you know, was like a full-fledged like industrial rock kind of anthem. You know, is it, it yes. gets really, really, really big, and uh, but it also has nuance in the beginning and in, in the middle. You know, it's not like a straight rock thing that just mm -hmm. starts hard and and ends hard. So I I was very shy to send it to him because you know he's those guys have been around for a long time and they really know what they're doing in terms of production especially and uh 
And I sent it to him, and a couple of days later, he wrote to me like, I finally got to listen to it. I'm blown away. This is incredible what you've done. It's so cool. So let me get my engineer involved to see if we can remix it in a way that, that you know, these things stand out a little bit more. So I was I was just floored that he was so, so happy with it. So then, you know, it just started snowballing from there. And, and it was cool because having Trent on the record then opened the the door for other artists that maybe normally wouldn't have said yes so um, i i would send the same email to every artist basically saying you know this is the idea of the record this is the, what i did with trend Reznor's tune so mm -hmm. maybe you might be interested in, in some doing something like that so then that that's how that's how the record came to be so i have 12 different artists on it and uh, and it's been just an incredibly um satisfying process to to work with this raw material from all this incredible artists absolutely i can imagine that and i just love the fact that you had this concept for the album and you just decided i'm going to reach out to these people and like you said what's the worst they can say i'm too busy right now right and i live by that as well like ask make the ask because you just never know what can happen Excellent. and you know, and also the fact that, you know, Trent is a fan of yours and your work is incredible as well. And and rightfully so, because your work's fantastic. Thank you. Um, but the funny thing is that I'm the least famous person in the whole record. I mean, all my <laughs> guests are like way more famous than I am. And so it's very humbling, you know, like, man. It's it's amazing that they gave their, their their music because to me giving somebody a song mm -hmm. for them to change and reimagine is like okay here's my baby I know you're gonna do plastic surgery on on my yeah. baby but uh, I'm I'm hoping it's gonna be beautiful at the end so right. it, was, it was you know uh, definitely some pressure on me to to deliver something that would be obviously very different from what they gave me yes and that they it, and that it would surprise them in a positive way because mm -hmm. you can always be surprised and be like oh my god <laughs> you know, this is my tune what the hell did they do with it you know but i wasn't interested in doing you know a bunch of drum solos or anything i wanted it to be all about the song and i wanted to keep the integrity of the song mm -hmm. intact um, and I didn't want to chop up lyrics or anything like that. I just wanted to reimagine it in a way that maybe the authors, you know, didn't think it was possible. So, for example, an, another another one of the artists, which of course I'm so proud to have, is uh, Dave Matthews. And, yes. And and the way that happened is because I was um, I did a, a gig with Bella Fleck in Mexico and we open for Dave Matthews because they know each other and uh, and Dave always does this kind of weekend of gigs uh, in the Riviera Maya in Mexico mm -hmm. every year and uh, and he's looking for opening bands and I think that time he asked Bella to open and we went as a trio and we opened up for him and you know I met him and he was super cool and the the whole vibe was very chill because it was on the beach you know, mm -hmm. so he was really just hanging around and, you know, he loved our set. And then because we were there already and and he's, his set was just dual with uh, Tim Reynolds. Okay. So, so then he, he said, do you guys want to sit in with us? And we're like, yes, of course. So so then we played a couple of, of the Dave Matthews band tunes with them. Uh, and, you know, it was a blast and, you know, he was so much fun on stage. So okay. anyway, that was that. And then when I was doing the record, I was like, bing, you know, what if I asked? But I didn't have his phone number or anything. So then I, I, I asked Bella Flick, look, this is what I'm trying to do. Do you think Dave would be into it? And then uh, I didn't hear back from him. I just sent him a text. And then mm -hmm. 20 minutes later, I got a, a text from a random number. It says, uh, hey, this is Dave. Uh, what did <laughs> Bella, Bella said you needed something? I was like, oh my god! <laughs> wow. Yeah. So then I just wrote to him. And I said, you know, this is this is what I'm trying to do. Do you do you have a tune that you could give me 
um, that that it would be okay for you to, for me to mess with. Yeah. And then yeah, let me think about it. And and then he sent me the whole Pro Tools session of this Zoom call. Ihi, which there was, there was he said there's no recording of this, but there's this music video. So I, I checked out the video, and the video is amazing. And the song is really really cool, but it's also very linear. You know, it's mm. just very groovy. It's an all in four four, and it just goes like this the whole time. And I opened the session, and you know, I had. I don't know, maybe like 15 different tracks of voices mm -hmm. of Dave. And then I had the, you know, the, the the rest of the band. But I just wanted to use the voices. That's it. You know, yes. so I, I started working on them and then just trying to figure out what to do with them took me, you know, <laughs> a little while because there were so many voices. And then because the tune was in 4-4, I wanted to do something that maybe would surprise him. So then I I ended up doing like the intro in seven, then the verses were in nine, then uh, then there's like a bridge that I did in six, eight, you know, but it all, you know, honestly, it kind of made sense to me. It didn't sound contrived. It didn't sound forced. Mm -hmm. so I thought maybe he'll get a kick out of, of hearing his tune with all this weird, you know, time signature changes. And then there was a section in the middle that it was maybe like eight eight bars um, that it was this groove in seven and I really liked the groove and I thought man some kind of the, the record doesn't have any solos no soloists I so kind of solo a little bit here and there but I thought you know it would be so cool to have a solo here and I thought well I know a really really good guitar player his name is Pat Matheny <laughs> so let me let me ask him you know what what he would think so then I sent him the track and uh, and I told him look what I would love for you to do is just do something crazy that doesn't sound like you at all basically that nobody would recognize that is you you know something just wacky and uh, and he heard the tune and he was like, "Oh, that that sounds really interesting. Let me let me try my hand at it." And and then he sent me a few days later this crazy, crazy solo that I was like, "Man, this is so perfect." And then he also played things throughout the whole song that then I I edited. So to have the Dave Matthews and the same and on the same song as Pat Metheny, you know, it was it was just a trip. And then I sent it to Dave, mm -hmm. and, and he flipped out he started texting me in real time as he was listening was like oh my god i never thought this would, you know the tune could sound like this and and he was super super cool then he called me and he told me you know you did so much to the song that i want to give you writer's credit because this is like a different song altogether basically wow yeah so he gave me writer's credit trend also gave me writer's credit so you know it, it's been such an, an amazing thing and and the rest of the of the artists i have in there uh, i wanted to have english speaking and spanish speaking mm -hmm. so i have lila downs from mexico uh, mm -hmm. Estrada, who was uh, the one uh, the first one i talked about ana tiju who is an incredible hip-hop artist from chile yes uh, maro uh, who's an incredible portuguese uh, singer and her song actually doesn't have lyrics it's just a, a voice melody that she's she sent me it's so beautiful um, and then I have Michelle and Degorcello who is you know one of my my idols since I, I I remember being at Berkeley right in the beginning and somebody uh, played uh, plantation lullabies for me and, and I flipped out I was like what the hell is this you know I've yes. that so to have her on the record with me is also, you know, very, very, just incredible. Um, Kimbra, who is an incredible artist from New Zealand. Uh, Tana Alexa, my wife, is on it too. We, we did a really cool song together. And then she also has a band called Sonica with Nicole Surides and Julia Adami. And the three of them did this very cool uh, song called Doyen. And then I grabbed it and I did something else with it. Uh, and then a guitar duo from Mexico was, they're huge. I mean, they play, you know, like Glastonbury and Lollapalooza and stuff. They're mm -hmm. called, they're uh, Rodrigo y Gabriela. And it's just this guy and this girl that, you know, play duo guitar in front of like thousands of people. You know, it's, it's quite remarkable what they did. Uh, and then they, they also gave me a song. 
And then uh, I had a song uh, called Waiting that, you know, I it was during the pandemic. So I was, you know, just working on my studio and waiting was I'm the lyrics are just I'm waiting for this to pass. You know, I'm okay. just hanging out waiting for this to pass. And and th those were the lyrics, you know. So I did kind of like a demo of it, and I wanted actually Tom York for for it. I thought he would be incredible or Bjork, uh, wow. but you know I just couldn't couldn't reach them. Uh, there was no way for me to to reach them. I couldn't make the connection. And then I was like, you know, it sounds pretty good with my voice, so I just left it in there, and and that's the the other track. You know, so it's twelve guests plus plus me singing on on one track. And then to um, to uh, the the icing on the cake was my grandfather Ignacio Lopez Tarso, who is ninety seven years old, and he's one of the most uh, revered, uh, famous actors in Mexico, is still alive and still working. I, I asked him if he would be kind of the master of ceremonies of the album. So then I wrote him a few verses for him to recite in the beginning of the record. And at the end of the record, in the beginning, he's kind of, I, I was envisioning like a typical Mexican square, central square, like a plaza. Mm -hmm. All the sounds of the square with, you know, the guy selling candy and the children kind of screaming in the background and then the church always, you know, with the mm -hmm. bell, bell, on, yeah. Sunday, on, the, on a Sunday morning, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, my grandfather's voice comes in, inviting everybody to gather around and then come in, listen to the music. And he explains a little bit about what, what is about to happen. Uh, and then I grabbed the most out of tune band from Mexico, like a brass band I could find on the Internet. They it didn't have, even have a name, the, <laughs> the band, the, the video, it was a video on YouTube. It just said band from my town. That's all. It oh said. my gosh! And they didn't say from where. Nothing. So, and you couldn't even see the band. It was like a, the camera was looking at something else, and it was just really low quality, and it mm -hmm. sounded so out of tune. But it was so funky at the same time. And I was like, oh my god! So I grabbed that, and then I started just kind of playing drums on top of that and doing different bass lines. And uh, so I put that in the intro as well after my grandfather, uh, you know, invites everybody. So it's been a very, obviously, been a hell lot of work. I started yes. working this like three years ago uh, and it's finally coming out. So I'm, I just can't wait for people to to hear it on, on August 26th. I can't wait either. I can't wait for people to hear it either. I, um, you know, as you know, I am a big fan of Trent Reznor. And when you told me that, that he was going to be on a track. I was just so incredibly excited about that. Um, and I, I feel like the whole album, I mean, all of the songs are incredible and unique from one to the next, but there's also this kind of like overall theme of um, like, there's an overall intensity I feel like to this album that, you know, kind of that, that's kind of what connects it to the first one for me, because it was, feel like the first one was so intense. Um, and this one, it has a different feel to it. It still has that intensity, but it's different. And I'm sure that that comes from the change in, you know, the world, basically, like you're making this album in a little bit of a different, um, a little bit of a different world, still very difficult in diff, but in different ways, right? Like you were facing new difficulties with pandemic and the way that you create music and the uncertainty of the future, um, still political strife in a, a different way at that point. Um, so I'm just, I mean, I, I felt that come through. I don't know how much you felt that going into it, but. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was a perfect pandemic project because uh, it was a collaboration, but people would just send me their tracks and then I would just go to work here at home uh, and I had no time constraints and I had all day to do it mm -hmm. so probably if the pandemic wouldn't have happened this would have been a different album and I don't know if people like Trent or or Dave would have had the time you know mm -hmm. to, to get into something like this you know and I remember texting Dave and saying man I know you're super busy but you know this is what I'm trying to do and he's like I'm not busy at all man I'm just yeah. 
here at home. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so like, perfect. So so um, that that's how a, a lot of those collaborations came to be because people just kind of had the time, and uh, I think. You know, the fact that I just grabbed, I just wanted the voice and any other element that they would give me and a, and a click track, you know, because yeah. I really wanted to reimagine it completely from from bottom to the top. Mm -hmm. So, for, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. And I, I forgot Becca Stevens, um, who is like, you know, one of my idols as a singer songwriter. She's incredible. Uh, and for example, the, the tune with Becca is, is very interesting too it's called the bucket and she asked me so what what is the record about you know um and and i said well the first record i did was about social justice the first mm -hmm. battle and i would like this one to have something of that in it too so you know think about that and then she came back and she said well i found this text because she does stuff uh, with his uh, with her husband in prisons sometimes they they bring music to prisons and she found this text from uh, a man called uh, named sterling cunio who uh, had been in prison since he was 16 for a double murder and he had been in solitary confinement all uh, around nine years in prison Wow. But then he started writing, he started reading, he started doing poetry as a way uh, to escape, you know, the, the confinement. And, uh, and he wrote a play along with other inmates that won this award. And, uh, and she wrote music to the soliloquy of the play that Sterling Cunha wrote. <clears throat> and then she sent me the lyrics and she sent me what she did, just her with her guitar and her voice. And I read the lyrics and it was just like, you know, I was floored, you know, this guy that had been in prison since he was 16, now, now it's in his, in his 40s. And uh, I, I was just so, so moved, you know, and, and yeah. she said, can I send you also the beat that I'm thinking of? And I said, absolutely not. Don't <laughs> send me any beats because I don't want to know what you're thinking. Right. And, and what she sent me with her guitar was already had a very obvious intrinsic beat in mm -hmm. it. So I what I was trying to do with all the songs is just not go to the obvious thing that yeah. maybe what they sent me was kind of su suggesting. Mm -hmm. So uh, I worked on it and I completely tried to do it in a different way that she thought I was going to do it. And... Uh, and because I used, uh, I played everything myself, you know, I used tons of electronics, but also uh, I played bass, I played guitars uh, and, you know, mandolin and oud and ukulele. You know, I have the, all these little instruments that I got because I did a, a film score during the pandemic. So I was like, I'm, I was using all of that stuff as, as tools. So then I sent it to her. And she was also texting me in real time as she was listening to it. And, and she was also floored. Like, she was like, man, I never thought <laughs> this song was going to sound like this in the end, but she really liked it. And then she thought, there's a small detail. We need permission from Sterling to use the lyrics. Oh, wow. Right. I don't, I don't know him. You know, it's just I, I saw the book and I, I the, the lyrics resonated with me. Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, my God. So how are we going to get in touch? It was still in prison. You know, so through her husband, uh, they managed to get a hold of his girlfriend. And then his girlfriend connected us uh, with him from prison. So uh, Becca texted me and she said, get on Skype right now because I'm on them. And, and I got it on, uh, on Skype and, and we, we were both talking to him and we, we asked him for his permission. He, we showed him the tune through the phone and he said, I'm just so humbled that my, my, my words are being used for something this beautiful. And he was super cool. And as a matter of fact, he was stuck in the legal system for, for years, just trying to get, um, you know, parole. And mm -hmm. it was a, a legal loophole that just couldn't let him, you know, apply for parole. It was a very complicated thing. Mm -hmm. 
And I just got news a couple of weeks ago that he was just released. He got, got a commutation from the, the governor of, uh, of Oregon. And I wrote a letter to the government, to the governor, and Becca also wrote a, a letter. And, and finally, it, it happened. So he's free now. And, wow. and lectures about his time in prison and being just super inspirational to to other people which is incredible so that to have that song on, on the album is also very very special that is so special i feel like there's so much in this album there's there's so there's so much collaboration there's so much feeling in each individual song and and the album as a whole and i love that these artists were texting you in real time as they were listening and that's what i was feeling too listening you know going like yes i'm so excited and i've I, you know, I feel like this has been a journey because it has been a while for for the whole process and then for the album to come out. Um, and I'm just so yeah. excited about it that it's happening and it's it's so close. And um, yeah. and you know, let's let's tell people how they can how they can pre-order. Where can they find the album? Well, it's on Warner, so I think um, if, if you go to the Warner site and and look for my name or Shift. I think it comes up and you can also pre-order it on Amazon now. And uh, if you go to iTunes or, or Spotify, the whole album uh, on iTunes, definitely the whole album uh, appears there. Mm -hmm. The only ones that you can listen to right now are the singles, which the first single was Trent's song. The second was Anna Tiju's song. And the third is coming out now in, uh, in a couple of weeks on uh, July 28th. And that's going to be Kimbras uh okay. called suspended animation but you can pre-download the whole record nowadays and and one thing that i wanted to to say for our, our drumming friends about what's i think special about this this record is that you know one one thing that i used to love about the big productions that i used to listen to as a kid like for example uh so by peter gabriel Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, some of the Led Zeppelin um, uh, albums or some of Tears for Fears albums, like, for example, Sowing the Seeds of Love. You know, the production is just so incredible on those records, and they just sound big, you know? Yes. And, and I would listen to them all the time and just wonder, why do they sound so big? You know, what is it that makes them sound so uh, sonically satisfying? You know that you can just put on your headphones or on your speakers and it just you know it just sounds great or you turn it up uh, up on your on your in your car and you know it's just like you know the the sound kind of envelops you yes and, and that's kind of wanted what i wanted to do with this album that to me sometimes it's a little lacking from from jazz albums you know of course it's a different animal you know mm -hmm. if you have a jazz quartet you know you're gonna get this amount of sonic material but in, in a record like this, or like the records I've mentioned, you know, it's just so much sound coming mm -hmm. at you, you know. And, uh, and I was really analyzing why did they sound so big. And obviously it's, you know, the layering of tons of sounds. So they, you know, they layer a lot of keyboards, a lot of guitars, a lot of voices. Um, so there's, you know, it's like an onion, you know, it's like tons mm -hmm. of layers but on all of those albums that i just mentioned uh, you usually only hear one drum set yes you know is the drum set of the song and maybe there's percussion there's other things but there's the one drum set and then everything else is just like humongous so i was like why can't i do that with the drums use the drums as a production tool mm -hmm. right? so layer different drum sounds, different drum beats, different drum parts in different ways, in different parts of the song, so that you don't really know why it's sounding so big. Why, why It sounds like kind of like a monster drum set in some, in some parts, you know, because sometimes I would play the same thing five times. Yes. And just kind of layer it and then mute it in this part and then put it on all the way on the left on this part, all the way on the right on this part. And, and just having fun with with the drum sounds one thing that I that uh, became a really useful tool is the Yamaha EAD 
module and mic, which is mm -hmm. a stereo mic that goes on the bass drum. And you have a module with different settings. So you can record, basically it catches the whole kit. And yes. uh, you can have the whole kit in a one stereo track versus having a full kit, you know, in 16 mono channels, you know, mm -hmm. like this, you can see, you know, my drums are right there. So you see all those mics, you know, in order to record one kit, you know, it's, it's a lot of tracks. And then it starts getting really messy when you want to mix and then, you know, the different levels. So then I started using this thing for different things and I would have the whole kit in one stereo track. So then I would have maybe two or three of the main kits with the 16 tracks and then start adding different little things with the EAD just to make things a little easier uh, when it came to mixing. So all the tracks have, you know, tons of different drum sounds in, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I would, you know, play the same thing a bunch of times and then I would listen to it and then I would be like, well, maybe if I play something completely different on the right symbol instead of the hi-hat, you know, but put it all the way on the right and kind of soft, but only on the bridge. Mm -hmm. And I, I just started experimenting with those things. So if you listen closely, if you listen with headphones especially, you hear tons of drum activity all over the place. And because of that, I didn't feel like there was a need for a lot of drum solos or drum protagonism because just the drums themselves are are very prominent in the whole thing. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really, really great point, especially since this is a drumming podcast and like, <laughs> you know, 90% of the people listening are drummers. And it is so true. I mean, listening to this album from the perspective of a drummer, having been created by a drummer, um, and it is it just caters to all of the things that we love to hear and all of the things that we pick up on. So definitely 100% listen with great headphones because there are things in there. I just am thinking about how I listened and then I listened again and then I listened again and I picked up on all of these things that maybe I didn't hear the first time um, when I was listening to the tune as a whole. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of zero in. And I always say like, I have my favorite part of the song. I always have a favorite part. Like there's a part that you, you know, you think about, oh, this, this part coming up, that's my favorite. So I love to just listen over and over again and like do a deep dive. And I think all of our drumming friends will do the exact oh, same thing. Thank you. Um, and, and I think those great albums, um, like the ones I mentioned before, you know, that's why they make you listen, make you want to listen a bunch of times. Yes. There's just so much material in there that you keep discovering. But it's like a great movie, you know. I mean, a great yes. movie, if you watch once, you're going to get it in a certain way. If you mm -hmm. watch it the second time, you're going to get different things. If you watch it the third time, it's, it's going to be different. Yeah. So it keeps evolving the more you hear it. And, you know, I, I still listen to So, and I listen to Physical Graffiti, and I listen to The Joshua Tree still to this day. And still, you know, it, it just blows me away, you know, every single time. So yeah. um, I wanted to make an album that I would want to listen to all the time, you know, that every time I listen, I would be satisfied. You know, yeah. I, I love the jazz albums that, I, that I've that i done, but, you know, honestly, I don't feel like listening to them as, as much, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes they're really intricate and you really need to sit down and, and listen. Here, you can even have, I think, this album in the background, you know, and it's just, you know, it, it works. As, as, yes. as that kind of album, but if you want to sit down and listen closely, it, it also has uh, a, a lot of information that also comes from jazz because it's not just a rock album or it's not, uh, you know, a pop album. It has so many elements from jazz, even mm -hmm. though they're tucked in uh, a little bit because I wanted the song to be the protagonist, the song, the voice and the drums. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't even I don't think I could put like a genre title on this album because it is like one song from the next is so different and unique. And you mentioned like the um, Anna Tiju song, which is like totally different than everything else. I, and and so fantastic. 
um, in its own right. It just, I feel like from one song to the next, again, there's an overall theme there. And I feel like your style just pulls everything together. But it is so different. Like, you know, it just, it's so, um, it's so varied. And I think that's one of the things that I loved about the album as a whole was just the first time I listened to it, not knowing from one song to the next, like what I was going to get. But just knowing that it was going to be great. And then at the end of the song being like, yes, Antonio. <laughs> so happy. Um, but it's definitely an album that you're going to want to listen to over and over again. So I, everyone I, I, listening, yes, get out there, get this, get this album. Um, and I also, I don't want to um, forget to mention all the other really great things you've been doing lately. Because, you know, I see we follow along on Instagram and... <laughs> And like see the things that are happening um and you've been out there playing which the last time we did this podcast together it was still a little bit um you know things were happening here and there but it was still pretty slow as far as getting back to like what we would consider a little bit almost normal kind of a situation that we're in now where we can you know you're playing shows and you're playing festivals and you just did the ground up festival which looked amazing oh that was so much fun but we all got covid <laughs> i know i know it's super spreader event but but oh. you know that that's the that's the world we we live in now uh yeah. but yeah i mean the the cool thing is that um the cool and the challenging thing was how are we going to play all this music live you know that was right. I, I had plenty of sleepless nights on we had a, a gig booked already like months in advance for this new band uh sorry a tour and i was like how the hell are we going to do this you know because it sounds really big on the record so i wanted to have that bigness live so then i thought okay we're definitely going to need to play with tracks mm -hmm. you know it just you can get some of the experience from the from the album but who's going to sing all this material you know, you have men, women, English, and Spanish. And I thought, well, I know a pretty good singer, and it's my wife, yes. Tana Alexa. And she speaks enough Spanish that she can actually, I mean, she learned how to rap in Spanish so that she could do Ana Tiju's song. Mm -hmm. She can actually do it. Yes, you know, she so can. But I was like, wow, it sounds pretty good. Yes. Uh, and, and you, you posted singing. a clip of of the um of the Trent Reznor song as well, and, and she she just does. I mean, yes, she's amazing. Your wife is incredible, yeah. and, yeah. and, and she's it. become also a, such a master at using effects and and pedals and stuff like that. So you know, whenever she needs to get a really deep voice like Trent, then he he she has this thing which puts everything an octave lower and makes her voice like really thick so she found ways of making it all work and then um have this incredible keyboard player big yuki from yep from japan who is just a master at sounds you know and then lex adler from australia who is an incredible bass player keyboard bass player and also he handles all the ableton stuff so that he triggers all the tracks and stuff so it's just a quartet but you know we play pretty big places that you know we're able to fill with the sound because everybody's just so so good at, at what they do so we've, we've been doing that we've been doing a bunch of gigs now it's starting we, we do newport um jazz festival next week um and then the whole fall we're we're just super busy uh promoting the record because you know the record hasn't come out so people uh still you know it hasn't made a buzz yet mm -hmm. I need the album to 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 come out for the press to come out. You know, people like you helping me out to to promote promote it. You know, I'm incredibly thankful for for all of you that that put the word out there for us. And uh, we're gonna be touring the whole uh, fall, and then I'm doing also a, another tour with uh, with Pat Metheny, where we haven't played since March of 2020. Mm -hmm because we were doing a south american tour and then the pandemic hit and then everything yes. got canceled so then we came back home and we never got to do it again so now we're finally doing that we're going to mexico brazil 
Peru, um, uh, Argentina, Chile. Um, I can't remember where else, but it's a really nice South American tour. So uh, I've never been to South America uh, with Pat except for Brazil. So I'm super excited about that. And then the other thing that I, I was doing since January is the soundtrack for a new docu-series on HBO, which is called The Anarchists, which is a really crazy story about this anarchist that go to Acapulco and start a convention and a movement over there. Yeah. And it's a really, really interesting uh, story. And, and I was just going crazy making the music for this since January. And, and it just premiered uh, the uh, two, two Fridays ago, no, two Sundays ago, sorry. Right. So each Sunday, there's a new episode. But by the time this comes out, I think uh, all the episodes are going to be out. Okay, great. And that's on HBO, right? HBO Max, yeah. The Anarchist. The, the Anarchist. Yeah. I saw, I saw you posting that and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks, this looks intense. <laughs> very, very intense. And, and yes. it gets weirder and weirder and weirder as the, as the plot develops. But it, yes. it, it was, it was very intense to, to make. I mean, I remember when I was at the ground up fest playing with, with Bad Ombre, I even brought my laptop and I was doing stuff for the series then at the hotel, you know, it was just mm -hmm. a lot of work. So I'm, I bet, I bet. I'm but, glad that's over. Glad it's out. Yeah, everyone should check that out too. The the clips that I've seen, your soundtrack work is fantastic and it fits. It fits right in with the tone of that series too. So um I have to check that out still. I do have HBO Max, so I need to get on there. Check yeah, that out yeah. too. Um, but where can we find if we want to like see you out playing um, either with Bad Ombre or with Pat Matheny, where can we find that information? Well, the easiest, I mean, I'm, I'm usually pretty active on social media. So whenever we're going to do a tour or a gig, I post about it. Okay. So you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on my website, there's all the info um, that, that you would want if, if, if you're interested in what I'm doing is antoniosanchez.net. Perfect. Okay. So I'll put all those links in the YouTube description and in the podcast notes too. So anyone listening can find you easily and follow along and get out there, see you live and definitely pre-order this album because you will not be disappointed. It's so fantastic. And I'm just Thanks. really honored to have heard it when I did Antonio and I'm so excited for you. Thank you, Sarah. And, you know, always a pleasure talking to you. You always have the best questions and, and, um, just remember the name of the album is Shift Bad Ombre Volume 2, August 26th. August 26th. Exactly. We're right there with you. Thank you, Antonio. And I hope to see you out on the road soon. I cannot wait to see you play live and give you and Tana a giant hug. Yes, please. COVID-free. COVID-free hugs. <laughs> Thank you, Tana. All right. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us each Tuesday for new episodes of Sarah Hagen Backstage.